All right, gentlemen, welcome to Ask the Naturals with James Marshall. So I've got a question here from Tom. How do you create a fulfilling work-life balance? The business groups I'm part of, they're just hardcore hustle. But it seems like you successfully managed to create a fulfilling work-life balance for your dating, business, meditation, and doing other interests stuff, where you're not working and stressing out all the time, yet it's still successful. And you have time to do other stuff you like and meet women. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Hustle, grind, eat, sleep, repeat. I'd rather hustle 24-7 than slave 9 to 5, bitch. There's my advice. Now you've heard that, that advice before, and uh, I guess that's exactly what we're going to be deconstructing in today's little uh, adventure into the balance between the work and the life. So firstly, how do you know that? How do you know that I've got a work-life balance that's excellent? Maybe I secretly just work 14 hours a day and then once a month we take a, we go out and meticulously film me doing some lifestyle things and then put those in and then just put that out to the world. How do you know that's not happening? I guess you know that because you've watched me for some years and you've got a pretty good idea that I'm doing a whole lot of not working as well as working. Yes, it's true. Business up top and uh, <laughs> Australian bogan pleasure down below. Now, now that you've seen my Ugg boots, you're not going to be able to respect me nearly as much, I think. But, I'm, but this is how I do things. I'm business and I'm pleasure. <laughs> you should see my cameraman. He's also business and pleasure right now. So this is, this is an important question uh, for a lot of guys out there in our audience because many of you guys, as well as wishing to unplug from the matrix of the dating world, are also interested in perhaps going it alone, starting your own business or outsourcing or working remotely, having a life that is not the traditional prescribed go to university, get a job, job, a nine to five job, and then do that for the rest of your life. Which there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you like. And if you want you like if, if you like that, then that's awesome because there's way more of that going around than there is <laughs> um, people who are successful businessmen. However, I am definitely uh, an advocate of freedom of all types, of all types. And when it comes to career and money and the way that you work, this is something that has been important for me in my life and for many of my students. So it is certainly relevant. So what I hope to do today is to give you some, some basic tips in no particular order because you know I don't read off a script, I just riff. Uh, although I have thought about that one day, writing a script and reading it, but it's just too much work. I'd much rather just riffing with my ideas. So I'll be giving you a bunch of um, things to take away in terms of looking at the, the distinction between work and lifestyle and uh, how, to, how to be more effective whilst also clawing back more time for yourself. Now, before we get into the how to hustle in a way that's more relaxing, the first thing that you will need to consider when starting your own business, or if you are in one now, I would it'd be a good time to look at this, is, is this business viable? Because there is a lot of information out there when it comes to starting your own entrepreneurship endeavor, which doesn't really take that into account. And there is a lot of bullshit out there with financial and business gurus, and as with all gurus where they don't have to have any kind of accreditation. And something to be aware of is that a lot of the guys out there that are selling the lifestyle des design, the business lifestyle design dream, uh, do they actually have any business experience outside of teaching people how to do, how to <laughs> set up their own uh, online businesses? Because if they don't, 
then really that they have just learned how to do this one thing, which is sell you on the idea that you can have your own business. I would much prefer to be learning from a business mentor who has run various other types of businesses. When I first started out, I didn't have any mentors. I didn't really, I didn't know anyone who was in business because all of my friends were broke artists. Now I know a lot of people who run their own businesses and almost none of them, except for some of the coaches that I know, almost none of them have anything to do with teaching people how to start businesses. They, they sell things, services and products uh, and they scale them and they're successful because of that. And so those are the people that I, I would be trying to learn from. So you do need to look at, does the world want your shit, right? Like if, you, if you're holding on to the idea, which is definitely sold by many gurus, that gurus, that if you believe in something, if you have a passion, you love knitting or you, you, you love skateboarding or you're into something and it's your passion, that you will be able to turn that into a six-figure plus business by grinding and hustling and because it's, you have passion and if you keep going and don't give up that you will succeed. I would say be, take that with a grain of salt because if the audience is not interested in the thing that you are really interested in, then they're not going to buy it. If there's not enough of a market out there, then it doesn't matter how much passion you have, um, you won't be able to achieve your goals. Now, of course, if you're a major corporation, Sony or something, and you decide that the world needs this new implanted chip thing that does something and you know presents it to the world and pumps millions of dollars behind it and into the advertising and marketing, you may be able to create a new desire. Uh, but I presume you're not the CEO of Sony, you're a, you're a guy who wants to start his own thing, maybe alone, maybe with some partners. Um, but if, if you're not coming with massive amounts of capital behind you, then trying to start some disruptive technology or something that's totally has never been heard of or thought of before, well, if you do create the new Uber or the new thing that people didn't know they wanted, then awesome. But for the most part, we're, gonna, we're going to be maneuvering within markets that already exist. And so it is really important to look at, is this market completely oversaturated? If you want to become a yoga teacher now, because that was a thing like some years ago in terms of being a, a lifestyle, a lifestyle uh, businessman, business person, non-gender specific, by the way, you know, people wanted to be yoga teachers or life coaches. And there's just so many fucking life coaches and yoga teachers out there that how are you going to be able to stand out from the rest of the crowd? It is possible. It can be done. Um, but if you're wading into a market where there's already a bunch of people that are well ahead of you and way more established than you and there's not, there's, there's not an infinite market, then you're going to be competing against people and that are going to beat you. If I had to start becoming a dating coach today, that would be a pretty rough thing, I think. When I first started this company 12 years ago, there was only a handful of companies worldwide. The internet was young and new. There was only three infield videos online at the time. And, uh, and then we put the fourth one up. And so we were early movers, uh, myself and then my collaborators were early movers and we carved out our niche and, and built our reputation over a long period of time. And we still have a very small audience when you look at, in the scheme of things. Look at our subscribers, we've got nearly 100,000. Oh, we're waiting for that silver play button. It's coming soon. 100,000 subs and uh, I would say probably five to 10,000 real fans out there at any given time. And out of that, because we, we niche ourselves and we market directly to you guys of a particular group that we have built a fan base over the many years, built our reputation, the trust, the proof of concept, the you know, continual proof that what we do works. And so we have a viable business within a, within a small niche. But if I was to try and do that today, I don't know if that would actually work. Right? So that's the first thing to keep in mind. Do some proper research on your competitors on the market. 
if, if that means loose little focus groups where you reach out to your networks and, and say, would, would you guys be theoretically interested in purchasing this service or product if it existed? And then get real feedback and do real research to see, is there a market there? Now, if there is a market, the, the next question I'll be looking at it is, what are you hoping to earn over the next five years? Like if you were looking at yourself as the, as the business owner or with partners or however you, the dynamic is that you're creating, what would you realistically like to earn? And if the answer is seven figures and you're a personal trainer, right, then I would be, I would be questioning that because I know a bunch of personal trainers who make six figures because they, uh, you know, they coach privately, but then they have online group courses and then they eventually release a, you know, a training program or a training product online. And so I know some people who have managed to make six figures out of that, which is awesome. Keeping in mind that six figures, like only point something percent of the world's population is ever going to earn that. It's, it's a lot of, a lot of money. And when you're moving into entrepreneurship, there's often this sense of like, I want to 10x, I want to be a multi, multi-millionaire. Okay, cool. I mean, sure, go for it. I don't want to crush anyone's dreams today. I do want to add a little bit of, it's a little compression, you know, just a little squashing of the dream just to make it more realistic. And I don't want to sell people bullshit. I want you to, to if you're going to do this, to have the best possible chance of success. So promising anyone, any, promising yourself or being promised by others that you can become a millionaire within a short amount of time um, just by following these ABC steps or whatever it is that they tell you to do, I don't think is realistic. And if it's like, okay, well, I would love to earn $50,000, whatever, pounds, dollars, euros, whatever currency you're thinking in, in the second year of my business, okay, maybe that's a realistic thing for a, for a service provider right? or someone who, who's, yeah, let's say a service provider usually. Products, physical products, I don't know anything about. So I'm not a bricks and mortar guy. I don't import things from China and put them in warehouses and sell them. So I'm not really going to go into that because I don't, I don't know much about that. I do know about service provision. And so if you were to look at, okay, I, I would love to earn 50K, for example, then you would need to look at what would that mean month by month or, or number of clients at, at X? Uh, am I doing clients one-on-one? Am I grouping them together in groups? Am I trying to uh, automate that to some degree by having uh, an online course? So, you know, something like the Lifestyle Design Academy, which I'll talk more about at the end, which is a live webinar-based thing with a whole bunch of video resources involved and, and various accountability systems. So for me personally, the, the, the workload for that is there's a lot of work creating it. And then the delivery for me is four or five hours per week over the course and then follow up another bunch of hours every month, right? So it's, it's, it's a reasonable workload, but it's not something where I have to work full time at it and it de- delivers a, a good return whilst providing a great service. So you would need to look at that and I would say, do that in advance, sit down and, and work out, okay, I would need to, for me to make 50K, I would need to sell. And then you work out what your thing is. And then you may realize, wow, I would need to sell a thousand people a month in order to do that or a year to do that. Is that viable? Can you create an audience of uh, a thousand buying customers who are going to pay X to, to create the income that you're after? And that may be a bit of a shock to look at. And, and there may be a, a disconnect or it may be just a reality check where you're like, okay, that's not possible at that price point. And if I'm a personal trainer, let's say I'm doing, for example, I'm doing online Zoom uh, coaching sessions. How much is someone willing to pay per hour to be trained by a trainer? Because if you go to a local gym, I know you can't do that now, but 
Uh, gym trainers charge, depending on the country, 20 to 40 to 50, 60 bucks an hour maybe, depending on what you know, region you're in. And so if you, if you were to you know, work off that, you won't be able to become a millionaire doing hour for hour coaching blocks, right? As a very specialized coach, I charge $500 an hour when I do one-on-one coaching, which I don't do much of anymore, but when I do. Uh, and so I can command a much higher price because there's very few me's on the planet. In fact, there is none other than this one. And the, the area of knowledge that I have is extremely specialized uh, as opposed to, to that there are, I don't know how many, hundreds of thousands of excellent personal trainers on the planet who maybe all they all have their own variations and different things they do. But at the end of the day, they're teaching people fitness and strength and flexibility and mobility. And so if they're good at it, there's many other people who are also good at it. So they probably can't charge 500 an hour or 1,000 an hour or, or massive prices because there's lots of other people out there who could do it for less. So reality check your business first. Does the world want your shit? Is it willing to pay for it? How much is it willing to pay for it? And how many people theoretically would be willing to pay for it? And does that then account amount to, add up to, an income that is better than being the nine to five guy? Or is it gonna be less? Did you just buy yourself a job? As, as the old saying goes, for a lot of small businesses, the unfortunate reality is a lot of the time, a small business will earn you less than, than working for a wage and you may end up spending way more hours working in it than you do, did nine to five. The old, I'd rather hustle 24 seven than work nine to five. Well, yeah, if you love what you're doing and it means that it scales and eventually you become very successful, but if it just means you're treading water and having diminishing returns or, or earning about the same as or less than you would have in your normal job, is that worth it? Though these are, these are big questions to, to consider. And again, I don't want to crush dreams, but I, I would prefer to save you the heartbreak of investing years of your life and all of your savings and all of your emotional energy and your expectation into a project that was going to fail from day one. So reality check your shit first. All right, so let's assume that your business idea is sound, that it is potentially could work. And now let's move into the idea of uh, the work-life balance. I'm not the, the greatest businessman on the planet. I'm not the, the, I have not made as much money as I could have, for sure. If I'd, if I'd knuckled down really early on and I'd started putting out way more videos and blogs back when blogs was a thing and done the things that various marketing people told me in the early days when I was like, yeah, yeah, but I'd rather just like do a bit and also go and get laid all the time and sleep in and do other stuff that I like, then I would be worth more now. I don't regret that at all because I'm, I'm happy where I am financially. I'm, you know, I'm not done, but I'm, I'm certainly stable. And over the last 12 years of, of business, I have got to live my life throughout that whole period, right? So I never, I never put aside five years where I just was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put aside women and fun and uh, exploring the world and all the things that I want to do. I'm just going to work and hustle and hustle and hustle until, you know, hustle, eat, pray, love. I oh, know that's a different one until I'm a millionaire and then people will love me and then I'll have some fun one day. So that wasn't the way I did things. And I guess that's what Tom's asking me about here because he wouldn't be asking me about the how do you hustle all the time, he would have asked someone else. So the first thing that I wanna look at with the work-life balance is how effective is your hustle? I know when I, early on, I used to work a lot more hours, but when I look back on my lists of things that I was doing at the time, I was doing a lot of busy work. Right? I, was doing a, I was doing a lot of things that felt like they were productive and th they were on the list so they, they had to get done because they are on the list. And so I spent a lot of time doing stuff that wasn't really that effective. 
over time, what I learned to do was to cut out stuff that was less necessary to 80, 20, that, to look at, okay, what is it that actually creates income? And that's, that's a really important thing with a business early on is you can get lost in the design of the logo for six months or the, you know, making the website just so or creating a Facebook group of people that are really fun and chatty and that you're having a good time with or, uh, you know, creating spreadsheets. And there's all sorts of things that you can do that feel like work or feel like you're getting somewhere uh, because you're ticking off your, your tasks for the day, but they're not actually building the business. And so it is, it's vitally important that whatever, if you're a service, that you know what you, that you know how to do the thing that you are selling. And some, there's a lot, there's guys on the other side who don't do that at all, right? They only focus on the, the marketing and the sales and then whatever it is that they're selling is shit. I'm not an advocate of that. I'm sure, you know, there's ways that people can do that. And essentially this is scamming people out of their money. So I don't suggest that. On the, on the flip side of that is that you could spend years preparing yourself to go to market, getting, making everything perfect and getting the business card just exactly like the American Psycho one and all that stuff. And we did a bunch of that early on. We, we had, I've never used a business card, but we spent quite a bit of time designing a business card. I think there's a few kicking around here. I should find one. Uh, and then printed thousands of them and then never used them because what are you going to do? I'm walking down the street going, hey, you know, looking for chicks. And we did try once. We had some stripper friends and we gave them a bunch of the business cards and said, hand those out to the guys at the strip club, thinking that would be a great idea. Turned out to be a really bad idea because you know what guys going to strip clubs don't want to be told is that they're shit with women by the stripper that they're kind of in love with and going, if you ever want a girl like me, you should call these guys. That didn't work. So that was kind of a waste of, of money and effort and time because uh, it didn't yield any specific results. So it is really important to be looking at creating income as early as possible. And, and this is something that I, I learned from Liam and Sasha primarily was putting things out to market early and then getting feedback on it and adjusting it and making it better, right? So I'm, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I would often try and make something absolutely perfect before I presented it to the world. And over time with some help from guys like Sasha who were like, cool, that's a great idea. Let's put it out. Let's you know, put on a webinar about it, uh, charge, a, charge a cheap price and then, and then do it, and then see how people like it. The very first online product that I released, we'd been thinking about it and, and working on the ideas for the hugest, biggest product launch for years, and it never got, never came to market. We got this um, marketing kit on early on, not, not early on, later on, and uh, he was like, we can put a product out in two weeks. And I'm like, no, we can't. That's, there's a lot. And he's like, yes, we can. We do a webinar. It's going to cost $97. We're going to put a, uh, what we did is we emailed out our list with a list of topics. So we're like putting out a, like a, a basically an online focus group saying, okay, which of these areas are, are the most important to you? A bunch of our fans wrote, uh, sent back the form saying, this is what we're into. And that was the topic. And then out of that, we constructed a one or two hour one-off webinar that had a, you know, it was a one-off price. I think it was $97. And uh, I made $20,000 in that one day, right? So the, the product didn't exist. Two weeks later, it did exist. It was a good quality. It was not the best, certainly not the best or most polished product I've ever put out. But uh, we got the standard, what we now have, 1% to 2% refund request, which is tiny. So if people didn't like it, they would have asked for refunds. And they didn't. So they liked it. So that was, and from there, we're like, oh, okay, right. Put it in a box, you know, build it, put it in a box, market it, sell it. And then, and then polish it up, you know, do, an, do another iteration of it later, polish it. 
uh, take the feedback from the clients. If we'd ever had a product launch where which totally tanked and everyone asked for refunds and gave bad reviews, which we never had, uh, then we would have scrapped that and then moved on to something else. But step by step, we've we've over the years released more expensive or bigger products, larger scale and more production and more complicated products, based on that first one that was done with the idea of like, okay, we got let's get something out to market as soon as possible to get the feedback so that you, and that you are, of course, starting to earn income because uh, when you're running a business, it's costing money all the time, even if you're a very lean business, even if it's just in server costs and domains and there's just a lot of costs in running a business. And uh, it's very important that we're at least breaking even and making profit in the first year, uh, otherwise you won't survive, right? Like, even if you have a, a, a lot of savings that you've put, put aside for this project, over some time you're going to come back, you're going to go down to zero. So it is vitally important that you're actually making profit. So that's the first thing, first thing to look at. Is, is, the, is the work that you're doing actually effective or is it busy work? And there's a, there's a good book called Eat That Frog or Eat the Frog, I think it is, which is one of those um, time management, getting tasks done kind of books. Uh, which I read about six pages of, to be honest. But I got the general gist of it. And that's the, the big idea on that one was whatever is the biggest, gnarliest, shittiest task, like the, the hardest task, start do that first. Because right? I, I know I'm guilty of that still to this day. It's like I've got my list over here. <clears throat> my list. Someone screenshotted that and they were like, plumber, move the Zafus, go to the dentist. All right, well, this isn't my business one. This is my personal one. So don't judge me. I need to go to the dentist. Anyway, so I've got my list and I, on that one, I would typically choose what's the fun, easiest one and the one that involves like calling a friend of mine. <laughs> and, then I, and I get the little dopamine hit of ticking it off the list. And uh, then there's the big one of like finish that product or you know, r- finish writing your book or whatever the, uh, the big tasks are. And those ones tend to get moved over to the next and the next day. So it's a, it's a really good thing to do is that at the beginning of your work day, whatever that is, for me, it's the crack of noon, then hit the first biggest ta- task first. Okay, you may not be able to eat the whole frog in one go, but just take a bite off one of its legs. And then that means that that task will actually get done as opposed to you moving through endless amounts of busy work that feels productive but is act- and, and feels like you're constantly hustling and grinding, but you're actually getting not much done and bringing nothing to market. So next thing is, if we're looking at work-life balance, is being disciplined about your pleasure or about your personal time. Because when you run a business, it's never, it never ends. The tasks never end. You could, you could do stuff forever. And this thing of I'd rather hustle 24-7 than slave 9 to 5, yeah, maybe for some time. But if you're doing that all the time, then really you're just becoming a workaholic. Right? And that's, that's, that's a not glamorous way to say hustler. Someone who, whose work consumes every waking or hour of their life is not someone who's living a well-rounded life. And I guess, I don't know because I've never had this, but if you work for someone else in an office and, and you clock off at X o'clock, then you get to go home and do your own thing. And so you have your own time and then you come in and you give your time to the man. And, and so there is a clear work-life balance, whether or not it's perfect, it, it's there. When you are your own boss, then you have to do that for yourself. I've been, I've been guilty of both sides of that. So I've, I've certainly had long periods where I just keep doing stuff, keep doing tasks well in, long into the night uh, because I'm kind of addicted to it and because I haven't, I, there's no off switch. There's no clear reason why to stop working. 
in, in the short term. But the clearer reason in the longer term is that, as I said before, like if you want to become wealthy and successful, you have to work. But if that's going to take 10 years of only working, especially if it's something that's not that fun, uh, and you didn't get to, to live your life along the way, I don't know how much that's worth it. I mean, for some people, they may just feel like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice 10 years of my life or X number of years of my life to eventually get the payoff. But who knows if we're ever going to get there, if you will eventually succeed or if you're even going to live that long because you might die tonight. So what I would say is that the way that, I, the way that I've tended to do things is to look at it this way. I will have periods of, in, of intense bursts of work. So I'll be kind of 100% on for some periods. So right now I'm preparing for the relaunch of the Lifestyle Design Academy and we're starting to, to, to ramp up the, the work. And then as it comes closer to the launch period, I will be working a huge amount and I won't be doing anything. There'll be no chicks, there'll be no olive trees, there'll be no shenanigans. Uh, it'll just be grinding until, the, until we get the launch out and then afterwards there'll be way less grinding, I can assure you. There'll be 100% off times. And I think that's one, one cool way to, to do things. It won't work for every business but or every person, but allocating, okay, maybe I, if I'm someone who works really intensely in bursts, then do that, but then give yourself a certain amount of time, whether it's equal amount of time or 30% of the equivalent time to not touch the business or do the bare minimum that you have to do for maintenance. This is, this is a good way to get yourself out of the thing that you're always, always hustling, always in business mode. And that sometimes you're like, I'm always in pleasure mode or I'm always in self-development uh, or creative mode for a short period of time or a longer period of time if you can claw that out. There's um, the idea that, you know, you should be hustling 24-7 is, is also, I would say, more to do with the early stages of a business, right? Like, so if you, okay, let's say you're in startup phase, you have a certain amount of runway capital to work with and you have to get something to market within a, within a certain amount of time, otherwise you're going to go broke. And so you have to just nail it and work. Maybe you do need to work every waking hour for some period maybe a year or two or until you've got the thing sorted. But that's a, like, I don't think, well, when I think about most of the businessmen that I know who are very successful, like guys who have made millions, I do know some who only work, right? And, and it clearly is an addictive thing and, and it's problematic and they, they, will, they will admit that and they sometimes don't know what to do with themselves when they're not working. And so I'd say that's more of a pathology. It's not necessary, right? Like they, those guys could fire themselves from a whole bunch of jobs. They could certainly, certainly hand off a lot of tasks to other people, but they choose not to because they're workaholics. But the guys that I would say that have a really good life, work-life balance who are um, extremely successful, yes, they kicked ass and worked fucking hard when they first started for the startup phase. And once they started to create good income and they, and they were able to uh, allocate and delegate tasks and, and hold apartments to other people, and in order to claw back time for themselves, then they didn't need to do that. And it would have been, and it, it's not the best strategy to be getting up and going, okay, I'm going to do 10 hours of grinding today. Which major CEO grinds for 10 hours on, in, in that capacity? No, their, their skill will be primarily as a leader, as a manager, as a, you know, kind of someone who seeks out new opportunities or makes contacts or does the big sales, you know, or, or works on the conceptualization of the, of the next big launch or product. Those are the important things for the manager to be working on. And the, the busy work, the hustle work, well, that should be done by employees, guys that are younger and have got way more energy and they're, and they're in that 
that phase and that's their job is to, to grind and get the grunt work done. I've, the, the best thing that I've done as a businessman over time is fire myself from as much of this business as is possible, right? So I, I had to do a, a whole lot of it back in the day. Like back in the day, back in the day, I, let's say for a Euro tour, for example, I was the one booking the accommodation, booking the flights, doing the sales, sending all of the like orientation packs to the, to the guys, answering all of their like, oh, what, is it, what if someone tries to steal my kidneys in Hungary questions? Like I was dealing with all of the customer service stuff and you know, producing, being the one who creates the content and writing the copy, writing the emails and then teaching the bloody Euro tour, right? So I was doing all of these tasks, which meant that the lead up to a workshop was extremely stressful for me with all of these tasks, which literally anyone who is, intelligent and is, has any sense of organization could have done, which is ridiculous because there's a, there should have really be only one thing that I'm doing or two things. One, filming videos going, hey, check me out. I know my shit. And two, proving that by teaching it to people. Everything else was, was essentially a waste of my time. And it meant that my creative energies and my teaching energies were being dissipated. So as I, and, and I kind of had to do that initially because I had a small team, I didn't have much money. But as I started bringing newer, newer people into the crew, the, the camera team, the back-end team with the tech stuff, uh, the managerial team, which, was, which is and was basically Alex and the way that he um, worked that out. When Alex came on as, uh, before, long before he was a coach, he came on first as a, as a camera guy, then as a web guy, then as a, essentially a manager. And I said to him, your job is to make my life easier. Your job is to make sure I do way less things and that I don't do the things that I'm good at, that I'm shit at. Or maybe he was the one that told me that. I can't remember. But because <laughs> he's probably going, hang on, James, I believe I was the one who told you that. Well, probably you did. And my job is to take credit for Alex's good ideas. <laughs> but in any case, now my role in this company essentially is to create this kind of content, teach the thing that I'm the best in the world at, and then work, you know, work with the with the crew on the on the longer term goals. Okay, what, how are we pivoting, or what's the the next big picture things that we're working on? My job is not to write emails and to to deal with technical problems and to edit videos and so on because I'm not as good as that as the guy behind the camera there. In fact, I am uh, way worse than him, and that's the thing that he's a specialist at and and loves. And as a result, I don't have to think about it. I just have to do this, blah, 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 blah. And then later I'm like, whoa, cool video. Whoa, we have special effects now. <laughs> Can you make spark come out my eyes right now? <laughs> yes, I know there's going to be sparks coming out my eyes in the edit. Oh, that's good. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, future Adam. So allocating, so if we refresh on the on a couple of those points. Allocating yourself specific time on and time off. And that, and that may simply be over a single day is that like, okay, your work day has to finish at some point. And at which case you put, you, you shut off all the, all the work related machines and then you move into, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do any more work stuff now. I'm only going to be, I'm going to read a book. I'm going to fuck a girl. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to do anything else except for work. Because as I said, otherwise a business will just eat your life because it's never done. You never, you never finished. You never, you never uh, have done all the tasks. I've never once finished a list that I have. I just write like lists and then I tick off a bunch until they don't fit on the page. And then I take what's left and I move it over to the next week. And I have books and books of these things, which, uh, which kind of interestingly show the, the history of the business. But they show that no single list was ever done. And that's because there is, there is endless kind of tasks and work that will be created when you're trying to create your own business. 
And the other one is to look at, okay, the possibility of 100% on, 100% off times, like doing very intense bursts. People are not effective. That, that time is not really work time. I know um, Alex does stuff where he just sets 25-minute timers. over. A th- he has a three-hour work block per day, and he, and he does 25-minute bursts where he's like, okay, for 25 minutes, there is no Instagram, no, no calling people, no, no distractions. Everything's turned off except for this task. And then the minimum that he has is that I will do three 25-minute super intense blocks in that three-hour session. And you're like, well, that's only 45 plus 25, 60, 70 minutes of real work in a day. Yeah, and he manages manages a big company. So if he can get it done in 70 minutes and, and the outcomes happen, then cool. That means he's got way more time to be in Bali and surf, which is what he's doing right now, whilst doing three 25-minute blocks. Uh, and then if he wants to do more or if he's in, he's, or he gets stuck into a task deeply or, okay, there's some problem comes up where it has to be resolved and, and then he'll work, he'll work longer, but he doesn't really go over those three-hour blocks. Now, when we, when we move into launch periods, then... The, in our company anyway, there is no on and off times. There is no weekends. There is no, what? You don't, you're not going to finish editing a video at four in the morning? What are you talking about? Because, okay, the nature of our business is that we have sometimes these very intense projects that just need to be done. And so all hands on deck. And then that it is. It's just work until we get the thing done. And then, okay, and then, we, then it loosens up a lot more and people have a lot more time. So I could go on about this for quite a while. And I think I already have over two periods. But now I'm going to wrap this up. The final point I want to make about this is it's a big topic and it's something that I cover in great detail in the Lifestyle Design Academy. But the last point I want to make is that one thing I've started doing in the last few years is blocking out good chunks of time for myself that are like longer periods and writing them into the year in advance. Because as I said, the work is never done. You can always end up just hustling and grinding forever. And so what I what I do in the early part of the year is I think about okay, what are like at least four adventures that I want to go on that don't and that it don't involve work at all. And so for me, uh, like last year, okay, it was less so, but the, the year before that, you know, I wanted to get deeply into movement culture. I wanted to spend more time in nature hiking. Uh, I wanted to improve my abilities with BDSM and, and kink. And so I laid out periods and I sought out teachers and locations and I blocked those in advance. And I went, okay, cool. In three months time, I'm going to go walk in Scotland for a week. You know, I'm going to go to do this movement camp in Thailand with Ido Portel. So, because, you know, in the, in the real world, I imagine, they give you a four-week holiday and you kind of know what it is. You have your weekends. And so, they've already allocated the time. I don't think it's enough, but whatever they give you, you know that that's your free time. As a business owner, you're going to have to delegate your own holidays. And uh, it's, that's a luxury. That's an amazing thing to be able to do. And if you work out a good work-life balance, you may end up getting to spend months of the year uh, not working. But I think that, again, is a, is a really conscious choice and uh, something where you would have to apply your the same kind of desire that you have for business to the other areas of your life. Which brings me to the uh, relaunch of Lifestyle Design Academy, which is coming up on the 14th of March, 2021, very, very shortly. So I put this together last year in the middle of the pandemic when we couldn't teach it, we couldn't coach and so we're like, shit, what can we do? And I'm like, I know, I can put together all those uh, areas that I haven't been able to teach previously when I've been busy running around the world coaching to do with the stuff that is outside of or adjunct to uh, or in, in conjunction with the seduction stuff. Right? So you would know well by now that we don't just do pickup. Right? We do personal development change, meditation, sexuality training, trauma, 
resolution and very particularly lifestyle design, which means to consciously create the, the all elements of your life as opposed to just letting them kind of happen to you. Everyone designs their life, mostly unconsciously though. They don't, they're not really conscious of their habit patterns, of their thought patterns, of the, the choices about who they really hang out with and what they're trying to do with their networks. Most people end up with who they end up based on location, sporting team, work environment, the friends you had in high school, and that, that kind of is it. Or, or, or if you are going to meet new people and you are going to start new things, it happens very, very slowly and without any particular plan. Myself and most of the guys that I travel and work with and, or have worked with over the years were very conscious about what they wanted to do in terms of designing their life. They, were, they, they knew they wanted to travel, that they wanted to create, do creative projects with interesting people, that they wanted vivacious, sexy, curvaceous women around them as much as possible, that they wanted to create wealth uh, in innovative ways that didn't involve usually going to an office nine to five. And again, I'm not knocking that as a, like that this is a superior way to live. It's just a, a, way, a way that has more risk, but also has the payoff of way more freedom. But what are you going to do with that freedom? You need to be able to work within networks. And this is, this is a massive part of why I am successful and most of the people I know are successful. Yes, we're very good at the thing we do. Yes, we worked pretty hard and for others, extremely hard. But the smart way to do this really is to create leverage. And leverage is created by putting a stick in the ground and putting a thing on it and going like this, I believe. But what I'm talking about when I talk about leverage is how do I multiply the effects of what I'm doing without necessarily needing to do every single part of it. And from being a broke hippie musician back in Canberra, Australia, to now being a wealthy, totally free agent that has connections and trusted brotherhoods with with people all around the world, this didn't happen by accident. It came about by me starting to understand what it is that really creates bonds between people. How do we rapidly accelerate the process of uh, creating a bond with somebody and then asking for favors, reciprocating them, and then using their networks and their skills and their resources and then combining with yours so that you all multiply your effects. And that's essentially what I will be teaching on the LDA 2.0 version. This was an incredibly successful course. It's the the highest selling course that I've ever put out. Uh, Amazing reviews and uh, like really beautiful feedback that I've gotten from the guys who've been on it. It's a really uh, dynamic and like tight group that has appeared out of this dudes all around the world. And so I'll be re-releasing that in the middle of March. If you'd like to check out a sneak peek inside the course, then all you need to do is click the link in the description. You'll receive a free mini lecture, which is basically a snippet taken out of one of the live webinars, which I put eight of those on over the first eight-week accelerator period. Uh, These lectures are live and they're usually... Well, I advertised them as two hours and not one of them was less than four hours because you know me, this was supposed to be a three minute video. Once I get started, I talk a lot. So it's a, yeah, it's a, a huge amount of FaceTime with me and you get to ask me questions and work through the weekly missions. There's massive amount of support material, dozens and dozens of hours of all sorts of cool shit, which I can't remember right now, but I'll explain it when we get to the relaunch. And it's just fucking great. That's all I got to say about it. So check it out, put your email in, you'll receive info about it. Stay tuned for some more lifestyle design, social circle, uh, unplugging from the matrix type material as we get closer to the launch. This has been James Marshall over two, possibly more days 
on his red couch in the middle of nowhere. I thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The Natural TV. See you on the next episode.